0: If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. The hour of the ages approaches. Jesus said, My time is at hand. He said, I go into such a city or into the city to such a man and to say to him, The master saith, My time is at hand, and I will keep the Passover at thy house with thy with my disciples. This is when the whole the whole upper room uh, comes into place, uh, comes into play here uh, with Jesus, because Jesus is going to share more with his disciples about his soon departure, because we know that in Matthew twenty six two he talks about the crucifixion is becoming very near when he says, "Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed and to be crucified." Jesus was preparing his disciples for the coming of the cross. He had shared with them at the last Passover, which typifies the fulfillment at the cross. And he also shared the first communion. The new covenant begins at this point. But church, we need to note these lessons from Jesus for every communion service that we partake in. Because there are some very important elements, I believe, for the body of Christ. So now if you're with me at Matthew chapter 26, go to verse 26. 26 verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them saying, drink all, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shared for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you and my Father's kingdom. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us remember the importance of communion. Lord, let it not be some ritualistic uh, thing that takes place here at Victory Fellowship, but Lord Jesus, let it be something very real to each individual believer. Lord, as you've shared with your disciples, Lord, you mean for us today. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remembering the communion in Christ's body in verse 26, where he says, Take and eat, this is my body. You see here, each name we use for these sacraments brings a different dimension to it. The Lord's Supper, because it commemorates the Passover meal that Jesus ate with his disciples. It is the Eucharist, thanksgiving, because in in it we give thanks to God for Christ's work in us. And it is communion because through it we commune with God and other believers. See, as we eat the bread and we drink of the fruit of the vine, we should quietly reflect as we recall Jesus' death and his promises to come again. You know, there, there's something very, very emotional about communion because it's not something that we just, just kind of like, okay, well, it's the first Sunday of the month, although this is the second, and we're going to go to church because we're having communion today. See, communion should be something more special because communion is something that you could do at home. Because remember, in Corinthians, he said, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you do what? You remember me. You're remembering everything that Christ had done for you. So communion is not something that we have to just do in church on, on Sunday. It's something that we can do at home with our, with our personal families. You see, the disciples must have wondered about that. But when I was reading this and I was thinking about what the disciples must have been thinking about or what the disciples must have been going through, I was thinking about this because they're thinking, wait a minute. This is your body? How could this be your body? You're standing before us. We see you in your body. How could they be partaking of his body after all, they weren't cannibals. They weren't into eating people. They were human. And so, but Christ is trying to explain to them. He's trying to have them to understand. But Luke clears up that mystery for them. In Luke twenty-two nineteen 19, when he says, And he took the bread and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. What is he saying there? My body, I'm going to sacrifice myself on the cross for you. He's making it very clear where he's going. This, do in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me, a symbol. The bread is a symbol that reminds us of Christ's body. Jesus asked the disciples to eat the broken bread, in remembrance of Him. He wanted them to remember His sacrifice, the basis for the forgiveness of their sins. See, when we partake of the bread, we're remembering the forgiveness of our sins, that Christ died on the cross for us. He came to pay a price, a price that none of us could pay. We should remember this about him we should remember his body at communion because Christ chose the limitations of a body matter of fact in Philippians 2 5 through 7 it says let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the servant and was made in the likeness of man why so we could truly have a depiction. We could, we could understand he was coming to pay a price. He was coming to be the sacrificial lamb for each one of us this morning. Christ chose to show his love in the body. In Philippians two 2.8 he says, being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. Death on the cross. We remember crucifixion was one of the most humiliating, one of the worst death experiences in, in the Roman Empire. And Christ was going to face one of the cru- cruelest deaths ever of this, and it was only for capital punishment. Well, Christ had killed nobody, He hadn't done anything to anybody. But yet he was going to suffer a crucifixion, a Roman crucifixion. It was excruciating, painful, and humiliating. Prisoners were nailed to a cross or tied to the cross and left there to die. And some of them, it would take several days before they would die. But when we remember communion, we remember Christ's blood. Because in verses 27 and 28, he said, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And what does he say? Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. How could this be Christ's blood? They're thinking to themselves, how could this be his blood? The disciples knew he was still before them. But like the bread, it was a memorial, a symbol of his blood. This was clear to the disciples. And you know what, church? It should be very clear to us. We should be, communion should be very clear. We should understand what we're partaking of, what we're doing when when it comes to communion and we, we come together. Christ's blood was shed to pay for our sins. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath Through him. Romans 5, 9. Christ's blood has redeemed us. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. You see, throughout Scripture, we're reminded how Christ was the sacrificial lamb. We're reminded that Christ died for our sins. We're reminded that over and over again, how Christ came for us individually, that we would be saved. You see, Christ's blood cleanses us from sin. You know, when I partake of communion, when I think of having communion, I can't help but just get emotional because of the blood that was shed for my sins, the price that he was willing to pay for me, a wretched sinner. And he was willing to give his life for me, not just me, but for each person in this room, through each person throughout history. Every human being has had the same opportunity to come to Christ's saving grace because his blood wasn't just shed for all Christians, his blood was shed for the whole world of, of people. Even those who chose not to believe. Even those who chose to be with the with the big belly Buddha and, and the Muhammad dude and, and, and the many others. You see, Christ died for each one. I had a topic of discussion at work this week. It amazes me sometimes when I Just people ask, oh well what are you preaching on this week? I said communion. And it's interesting some of the conversations, you know, that people have with you. It's amazing to me that the the people their way of thinking, I guess, maybe that's the best part. (laughs) I don't know. One guy insisted. And he says he has a hard time reading the Bible. Because it was the Bible that brought slavery. What? <laughs> Where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Slavery? Well, yeah, you read in the Old Testament all this slave They had slaves. beat. I said, yeah, but they weren't just African-American slaves. There were white slaves. There were Hebrew slaves. There, there were all kinds of slaves. Back in the the Old Testament of the Bible, yeah, but because of that, we 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 were we were trapped in slavery. I said, "No, you weren't. Christ has set you free from all of that. You've been redeemed from all of that. He has died because of that." I said, "I don't understand it." Well, I believe that I believe I know that there is a higher being. I said, "How do you know?" Well, because man couldn't have created all this. There's no way that man, the way we mess things up, could have made all of this. I said, well, why, how can you believe that? He said, what do you mean, how can I believe that? It's pretty simple. I said, well, what makes you believe that there's a God? He said, well, you believe in God? I said, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. What makes you believe that there is a God? He said, well, there just is. I said, well, there's just dirt on the ground, too, but that, what does that mean to me? How do you know there's a God? He said, well, because my grandmother made me go to church from when I was a little boy till, till I left my parents' home. She made me go to church every Sunday, and if I didn't go to church, she'd get out the belt. I'm thinking, man, we could get him to church that way? Is that legal? Let's try. We can start whipping a lot of people into shape. Maybe that's where that phrase comes from. Whipping people into shape. I said, okay. She, she, she beat you to church. I said, but what makes you believe that there's still a God? I said, well, you just know. I said, it's your faith. I said, because you've not seen God. I've not seen God. I've not even seen Jesus. I said, but I believe he's real. And that only comes by faith. By having a personal relationship with Jesus, watching all of the things that he has done in your life over the years, watching how he has transformed you and he has changed you over the years to be the person that you are today. And how did all that happen? Because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was spilt from the cross for the remission of our sins. Christ's blood proves his love for us. I love what Revelations 1 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the Prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. When I read that, it just, it makes my goosebumps get goosebumps because it makes me realize how much Christ truly loved me and he was willing to give it all, even if I was the only one on the earth that chose to worship him, he would have said that was, that was what it was for. But he didn't. See, all of us in this room have come to the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have all come under the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Remembering his blood communion increases, not decreases, but increases our love for him remembering the communion and Christ's coming kingdom for in my Father's house, in my Father's kingdom, it says. I will not drink with you again. I drink new with you in my Father's kingdom. Communion looks into two directions. It looks Back to the cross, and it looks forward to the kingdom. Communion is a time to search our hearts and to confess our sins. That's why the scriptures, that's why Paul writes in, in Corinthians, what that we are to, what with our hearts? We're to examine our hearts. Lest ye eat of the bread and drink of the cup in an unworthy manner. That's why there are many sick among you, not sick in the body, but sick spiritually. Because you're, 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 you're just having the communion and just partaking of it like it's some kind of a ritual. And it's not a ritual. It's a remembrance. Communion is a time to search our hearts. It's a time to celebrate our wonderful future with Christ and His kingdom. It's a time to remember all that he has done. When we remember the cross, we become aware of our sins. Amen? Some people say, well, they feel, they, you know, when they, when they do something wrong, they feel awkward inside or they feel terrible. Well, that's conviction. That's, that's Christ saying, whoa, back up. You, you're out of line with me. And he wants you to get back in alignment with him. You see, we have a responsibility to love That makes forgiveness possible. His love makes forgiveness possible. Our love for Him. By saying, Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Forgive me of my sins. You're asking, you're acknowledging, yes, Jesus, I realize that you have died on the cross for my sins. And I realize I must must receive forgiveness. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be that person who is going to receive his kingdom. I want to be standing before him when I pass from this life. And I want him to say, enter in. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be the type of Christian that people know that, you know, if he messes up, he's going to go to Jesus. And he's going to ask Jesus to forgive him and he's going to do better the next time. Why? Because he remembers what his Christ did for him on the cross. Church, all of us should remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross at communion. Cuz when we when we scope over when we when we skip over to Corinthians, first the first Corinthians chapter 11. And it says in verse 28, where Paul says, But let a man examine himself and let him so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eateth of the and, and drinketh of the cup in unworthy manner. What again I say? discerns not the Lord's body. I want to discern his body. Why? Because I recognize what Christ did for me on the cross. I recognize the blood that was shed cleansed me from all unrighteousness, cleansed me from my sin. You see, this morning we could could go in a hundred different ways when we talk about communion, but there's only one specific way that I know that we need to talk about communion, and that's when Paul talks to us in, in Corinthians. see, sometimes I believe we have to go backwards sometimes. And we have to remember. We have to think back on what the Word of God says to us when it comes to these things. Why? Because sometimes I think our mind becomes a little lax. We become a little shallow. We, we don't think properly when it comes to God's Word. But God wants us to be sharp. He wants us to be clear. When it comes to communion, he wants us to be clear what it's truly all about. For I received of the Lord that which I had also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is broken. You. Broken for you. What does the Lord's Supper truly mean to you? The early church remembered it, they taught it that the Lord's Supper was on the night of the Passover. Just as the Passover was celebrated. It celebrated the deliverance of slavery into Egypt. So the Lord's Supper celebrates our deliverance from sin by Christ's death. You see, we're not in slavery anymore. We're not bound by the chains of Satan anymore. We have been set free, we have broken those chains. Christ did that because he died on the cross. His blood was shed to break those very chains that once held us down. Chris, you've been set free in Jesus' name. I love when the word of God says, For he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That should make you happy. How many of us call upon the name of the Lord? I call upon him every day. So I know that he hears me. Because I can call upon him every day. Knowing that he will take care of me. When I stumble and fall, I'm not worried about him standing there with a ball bat or a brick to bash me over the head and say, Yeah, big goof, you did it again. No. I can look up and I can say, Jesus, forgive me. And he does. He faithfully does. He doesn't say, now listen. Listen. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to have to talk to you again. This is how it goes. He's our redeeming Savior. The Savior of the world. Who died for each one of us. Churches, we prepare for communion this morning. I want us to do what Paul tells us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This morning, I want you to examine your heart. I want you to look inside and make sure that everything that God has talked to you about, you're good with. Everything is good between you and the Lord. You've asked Him to redeem you. You've asked Him to save you. Father, again, we thank you. Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning,